in the grand tradition of our blockbuster events, Crisis Till Death and Death Till Wedding, the podcast returns to the Triangle Era for the infamous Electric Superman saga, Grant Morrison's legendary JLA, and Superman's TV depictions on the animated series and Lois and Clark. This is Electric Till One Million, a new eight-part epic covering 1997 through 1999. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. This is Electric Till One Million, Part One. And joining me to discuss the beginning of the Electric Superman saga is returning guest, sweet, sweet Bernie Gersmeyer. Welcome back. Hey, Anthony. It's the beginning of the end of the Triangle Era for you. I know. This is very bittersweet. Each year so far on this podcast, we've done one big multi-part triangle era event we did crisis till death death till wedding and now electric till one million where we look at the core superman titles as well as what else is going on around the dc universe and even in other media with superman so this is the third and final of these huge events because once we finish up 99 or so we head into the Jeff Loeb and Joe Kelly era which we've already covered on this podcast way back those episodes two and three it's a favorite run of mine, so I knew when I started this podcast, I had to cover that right away. So that's not to say we won't ever you know, dip our toes back into the waters of the Triangle Era. I'm sure something will always pull us back. But as far as these big events, this is the last one. And normally we do them in the fall, but I just came out of the last one kind of ready to, ready to get into Electric Superman. I didn't want to wait another year. And of course, we're coming up on the hundredth episode, and I just there was just this gut feeling of like, no, you gotta, you gotta finish this before that milestone episode. It was just a feeling that I had. So we're here. I'm very happy to have you here. Two weeks in a row. I know. I'm excited. Yeah. I, I uh, Renee had asked me what like what are we doing Saturday night? I said I'm doing a podcast. She goes, didn't you just do a podcast? I was like, yep. <laughs> it wasn't even she's like okay so her and lana are having da- uh, mom daughter watching a movie time and i was and i'm sitting down here enjoying another another weekend with my brother from another mother anthony <laughs> well please thank them for me for allowing me to steal you for this saturday oh. night as we kick off this event here electric superman is something that People have feelings about there are there's are some opinions and I know you could say that about a lot of things when it comes to comics and, and fandom but this in particular tends to elicit a, a strong response as I'm sure you have observed yourself and, and maybe even feel yourself. <laughs> I uh I, well I mean earlier in the week you remember when I when I messaged you going so how far in have you read so far and you're like oh well I'm just I got through power struggle and do I was like okay. I was just, I wasn't quite feeling it. It took me a little while to get into it. I, I understand. We'll, we'll, we'll unpack it all. We'll sort it all out. We're of course referring to this period in the nineties when <laughs> Superman's powers and costume changed. He became the electric blue Superman. Later in the story, he'll split into red and blue versions. We'll get there, but we're starting with the electric blue uh, very quickly, I'll lay out the specific issues that we read. So if you're going by the triangle numbering, we're in 1997 and we read issues 1 through 27. We gave you a little bit of a break. I know you skipped a few uh, in the middle there, but we'll we'll touch on those quickly. But we'll, we'll unpack the most uh, relevant, important issues. But all told, uh, what, what I went through was 
Superman 119 through 125 by Dan Jurgens and Ron Friends. Ron Friends, I got to say, I'll talk more later, but the unsung hero of this period. Man, I love his art. There's some great stuff. One of the issues that you didn't read, there's a moment in particular I want to call out, but beautiful stuff. Man of Steel 64 to 69 by Louis Simonson and John Bogdanov. Action yep. 729 through 734 by Dave Michelini and Tom Grummet. Side note, I could save this rant for later, but let me just knock it out real quick. Action 729, which is part three of the power struggle story, conspicuously absent from the DC app. It is the only issue what? out of the 27 issues that we read. It's the only one that is missing from the app. And before someone is like, oh, maybe there's some <laughs> issue, there's some reason. I Listen, maybe there is, but I suspect someone just forgot to put it up and it's missing. Of course, there are other ways to find these things, but I don't want to have to resort to that. So DC app, please. God damn it. Just fill in these gaps. <laughs> what? That's the most random, weird one to have missing, too. I haven't had a rant about this in a while. To to the DC no, apps credit, but you've been real. You've been really good. <sighs> All right, I feel better. I got that off my chest. So those are the action <laughs> issues. Advent- Take a sip of bourbon. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I- <laughs> uh, Adventures five forty two through five forty seven by Carl Kiesel and Stuart Immonen, and Man of Tomorrow seven and eight by Roger Stern and Paul Ryan. So that's what we read. That's what we'll talk about. I guess the best place to start, though, honestly, is is big picture. And I found one of the old house ads, and it had that iconic image of the electric Superman from Superman uh, number uh, 123. And it said, shocking. And it said, this time we've changed more than his hair. And look, we've talked... (laughs) We've talked in these triangle era events, especially once we got past death and funeral and rain about how a lot of the 90s generally, but particularly in the context of Superman, came to be defined by these big events. Battle for Metropolis, Fall of Metropolis, Death of Clark Kent, Dead Again, Trial of Superman, The Wedding. However, when we're talking true status quo shifting events, the list gets a lot, lot, lot smaller. I think it's really death and this. I that, that was sort of kind of going into this, but especially now having done a chunk of the reading, I really feel like this this is in a in a very exclusive category of events that really went again beyond just a big story, a big crossover. So this one stands out, and like I said, a lot of a lot of different feelings and reactions. What do you remember about how you felt? at the time, back in 97, when this was first starting to happen. And we were talking off mic, you know, you had, you know, major life yeah. events. So, you know, maybe this wasn't necessarily something that you were, you were so dialed into, but I know you were still getting them. I mean, just what, yeah. as far as you remember, what was the reaction at the time to this? Let's see. I was, so 97, I was a junior in college and I was getting books. Um, I was still out on the hunt for kind of going, I was actually, out with my now wife going to stores, picking up and filling in all the triangle eras from like the nineties through the death. Um, I definitely felt when I, when this happened, I remember literally saying out loud, Oh, it's just, it's just hype. Like it's a, they were, it's like a, what's it called? Um, promotional. Like they were, they were doing a thing, a gimmick, to get more readers, a gimmick. Exactly. Right. Um, which a lot of people said about the death, like they, 
they they falsely said that like oh just a chance to get people on no it was a, that was a big deal this to me just felt very gimmicky like oh we need this to do something different because we i'm sure sales were dipping after that we've talked about this post death so yeah that's i didn't i was not super excited if you excuse the pun uh, that's totally that's totally fine and then again i don't know to what extent, if any, you've revisited this or even really thought about it at length in the years since prior to preparing for this episode, but to whatever extent you have, how have you viewed it in retrospect? It's so interesting. I, this is the first time I've reread it. So re, this is the first time since it came out that I reread it. Um, I don't know why, but I, I was more excited about like the action figures and the Funko Pop I just, I think it's a cool look. I think it's a cool idea. But for me, that's kind of where it was. Like, oh, neat. It's like a different version of Superman. A different To me, I would have been cooler as an Elseworlds than a continuity. But that's not how it turned out. No, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I agree with you about the merchandise. I had, I had those electric red and blue figures from that JLA line. Yep. I wish I kept them. I don't have them anymore, but I do have, you can kind of see a little bit of it over my shoulder, but the electric blue Funko pop and I should have had the red one by now, but it was delayed and, and I ended up having to reorder it and it should be here by the time I get to that part of the reading. Oh. Uh, so I'll make sure I, I didn't I know. They made, I didn't know they did a red one. It was a convention exclusive for New York comic con. Oh, fancy pants. Look at you. So it, it is it is out there. I, I'll i say real quick, and I'll show this for people on YouTube. While we're talking pops, and while literally it's within reach as we're sitting here, I picked up a composite <gasps> Superman Batman. That's awesome. Is that, a, is that an exclusive? That is an exclusive. I think it's Entertainment Earth, I want to say. I'm not positive. Oh, I love it. But I love it. this... The composite Superman Batman in and of itself doesn't really hold a ton of meaning for me. The, the pre-crisis story wasn't something that really did anything for me. Uh, Jeff Loeb played with this in the Superman Batman uh, run. So I have that yeah. sort of familiarity with it, but the best part, and I know last time we talked about fatherhood and our children and everything. Uh, my son thought this was the funniest thing. And I knew he would, I unpacked this the other day and I was like, look, I was like, look at this. What? It's like half Superman, half Batman. He's like, what? That's crazy. So he thought this was endlessly amusing. So it was worth it for that in and of itself. Of course I keep yeah. this sequestered away down here in the studio, but I'll, I'll bring it back up. <laughs> You know, the, first of all, there is a Superman blue T-shirt, which yes. I found that out, which I did not know. I was like, oh, oh I, 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 that I might might look into that one. But yeah, the Funko Pops with the Superman versions have been great. Like that, the Grant Morrison, Howard Porter, JLA line. I love that Superman long hair version. It looks so good. That one is in the display case behind me. We'll be busting that yeah. out too because we're going to cover the Morrison JLA. We got this is this oh. event, man. This is this is going to be a lot of I fun. I love that that run is so still good. I yeah, I have not reread the entire thing in a long time. I recently reread Rock of Ages, but I haven't read the whole thing in years, years. So I'm excited to get to that. But as far as Electric Superman, a few big picture things to say. Number one. We, we were we were touching on this off mic as well, where I think for, for us personally, and I imagine a lot of fans probably think this ran a lot longer than it did. So he 
the powers, the electric powers start manifesting a few issues before. But again, it's triangle number 19 of 97 where he gets the new suit, right? And by 1998, number 20 or 21, that's when we get Superman Forever with that iconic Alex Ross right. lenticular cover where he's in back in, in his traditional powers and costume. So, and that's again around issue 20. So a year, it was a year of this. But I think if you asked most fans, like, oh, how long did he have the electric powers? They'd be, yeah, like you're holding up three fingers, you're like three years. And in yep. fairness, when you're talking about five, five ongoing titles, including Man of Tomorrow, right? a year is a lot of issues. It's a lot of issues. So maybe that's why. But that was definitely something coming into this where I, as I was scanning through everything, I was like, okay, this was a year. It felt like a lot longer, <laughs> but it was only a year. Yeah, that's kind of how my reading felt a little bit this week. <laughs> it seems like I think I had a little, I think I had more fun with the reading than you did, but that's. that's I think you did. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. It'll be, it'll be, we'll have a good conversation about it. Uh, before I share my take though, I, I have to share the story of one of our listeners, Glenn Seeking Superman Clark on Twitter. And I, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn because he's been very public about this. He's tweeted about this. He's not, he's not, he's not shy about this. So, and it's, it's totally relevant to this conversation that we're having. So Glenn has spoken about how he had been reading and collecting Superman comics and memorabilia for over 20 years when the electric Superman saga hit. And he was so turned off by it that not only did he stop reading and collecting, he sold everything. <gasps> he sold everything. And oh. I believe he said that even the comic shop was sort of like, Hey, are you sure? And he sold everything. And there's a reason his Twitter name is Glenn Seeking Superman Clark. He came to regret it. And he's been rebuilding his collection. I thought it was really interesting because I, I asked this to him over Twitter. I was like, have you reread this story, right? Like the story that turned you off so much. Mm -hmm. And he's not been able to bring himself to do it yet. He said he might for this podcast, which I, which I appreciate. He did assure me though that uh, he won't quit the podcast and delete all of his downloaded episodes <laughs> if he doesn't like it. So I appreciate it. But a friend of his gave him, which is what is actually, I think, kind of beautiful advice when he started rebuilding the collection. The friend was like, start with Superman 123 as part of this healing process. <laughs> and he oh. did like, that's one of the issues he's picked up, but he's not, he's not gone back and gone through the story again. But I bring this up, I mean, because like I said, strong reactions to this. I mean, this was someone who, turned away from this collection, this, this, this hobby, this fandom that he had had for so long and, you know, came back to it. But that's, I think when, not, not to speak for him, but it's like, I'm, I'm assuming when he thinks about his fandom overall, as far, as far as lines of demarcation, it's like, that's, that's a pivotal moment, no doubt. But then on the flip side, because I put this out on Twitter, I, you know, I said, well, you know, what are people's takes on electric Superman? And it was mixed as it always is, but I would say more, I would say the majority were in the camp of liking it, right? A feeling it was underrated, of having some kind of connection to it. One of our mm -hmm. listeners and patrons, Josh, who submitted a question, which I'll get to a little bit later, it got him into Superman. So, oh, interesting. So that's the thing. It, it you know, it ended one <laughs> one journey for a time, right? It yeah. started another one. I'm sure it started and ended a bunch of others. I guess not unlike Death of Superman in, in that respect, especially as far as bringing people in, but. I just bring that up because it's it's a story that really 
really struck me, right, as, as you know, what a, what a profound impact this, this had and what a journey that it sent this person on. It's amazing. Well, and like, like you said, there haven't been many instances where the character has like definitively been changed. So things have happened to him or he's lost people, but this is a legit, he looks different. His powers are different. Everything like when he turns into Clark, he's he has no powers. So it, there was there was a lot of stuff like that that it was very new. I I found it interesting. I I was liking the changes, but if it wasn't Superman, like I was, I, I kind of was reading it, going, I think I would have really liked this character if it wasn't Superman. <laughs> That's fair, you know. Later on, and and we'll get to this in one of our last episodes of this event, the last one, in fact. They introduced that strange visitor character. Yes. And gave her the powers and the costume. And as we've discussed previously, she didn't stick around too long. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. But for a time, you still had that look and that power set. And as you and I talked about last week, John Kent in the upcoming Tom Taylor series, Adventures of Superman, John Kent apparently is going to have these electric powers. I don't know if it's a permanent change, a temporary thing. Right. But to your point, it's like, yeah, I think I think the look and power set are cool. They're just yeah. cool. I, I, you know, taste will vary, but I think it's it's a neat it's a neat look and an idea. Yeah, maybe not so much for Superman for an extended period, but there there is potential there. So I do like to see it getting play uh, with with other characters. Yeah, and I'm curious to find out how John can how they manifest. Like, how does he get them? We need to talk about what whatever tonight. I'm not fully understanding how. Clark got these powers. Okay, that's actually Josh's question. So I want to get to that in a second. But let me just say, as we wind down the sort of the big picture takeaways and stuff like that, I wish I could say that I'm coming into this with a real strong take. Like, I love this. I'm going to defend this to the death or the opposite. Not that I want to be in the camp of hating it. But, you know, I kind of wish that I had a a little bit of a stronger feeling about it. As best as I can remember, I was into this at the time. So this was 97. I was 10. I've been reading comics and Superman for five years at this point. I'm old enough now where I start to have more of a sense of what's going on. Um, And now as I look back, I have clearer memories of these stories in that period of time. There's a lot wrapped up in the nostalgia of it all. So this was firmly in that period of time where, you know, my mom and I had this routine where after school on Wednesdays, we would go to Heroes World at the now defunct the now defunct Heroes World at the now def- also defunct Galleria Mall. Oh. And uh, we would go every Wednesday or every other Wednesday. We'd go to Heroes World first and I'd get my Superman comics and we'd hit some of the other stores. In particular, KB Toys. Uh, there was GameStop. Oh, yeah. uh, there was I think, a Barnes & Noble or other bookstore downstairs. We would get, or she would get coffee and a chocolate muffin from one of the, the food stands and we would split the muffin and I'd get a couple sips of coffee. I'm only a little kid at this point. But it was a beautiful routine. It was something that my mom and I did. And I always appreciate that she took me to get my comics. And so there's a lot that's sort of wrapped up in. And I remember those times. And I remember these issues in particular. And as best as I can remember, I was excited. I was interested. I was intrigued. I wish I could tell you. This is the thing that I just, I can't remember if I was savvy slash cynical enough to recognize, hey, this is not permanent. I don't (laughs) know. I, I really feel like I was just in. I was just in for it. And I wasn't thinking yeah. about it in those terms. And I think it's the sort of thing you can only have that experience as a kid, right? Where I was not thinking about 
oh, Dan Jurgens is writing the story and the editorial group has certain plans and right. we've got this publishing initiative. Like none of that was in play for me. I was really just taking all of this in as the next chapter in Superman's life. Like that was just the way I was viewing it. So I don't think I was even considering it in, in those terms, but if, if I, if I were, I mean, I, I don't know if I thought that it was permanent, it didn't bother me weird, which I mean, I, I don't know. It's kind of surprising, but I just don't remember having any kind of feeling of either, oh, this is, they'll do away with this in a couple of months, nor was I saying, oh my God, this is a travesty. I can't believe that this is the way he's going to be stuck forever. I was just taking it as it came. I I will tell you, like, that description, I feel, is what would be so much healthier for all adult <laughs> comic book fans right now. Like, I feel like what we need to just remember about being a comic book fan is that we're just kids that have more money. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, when that really comes down to it, like... We're, we're still nostalgic. We still love these characters. Only our allowance is bigger. Like, so, so we're, it's not as like, whoa, mom bought me a comic. We're on our routine. It's like, oh, cool. I'm going to get my comics. There's so much of that. I don't know if I'm going to like this. I don't agree with this. I don't like where they're going. Like, not to be a jerk, but like, like they care. Like, like, I don't know. Of course they want to please their fans. And of course the publishing company is like, well, what would be good for the you know, sales of our book? But we find that in, in comics, Star Wars, streaming shows, you name it. Like they didn't do what I thought they would do or what they should have done. Who are you to say? Just be happy. We have more content and, and just go with it. You know what I mean? Like if something, if they decide to give Superman a tail, I don't care. Like, like just go like, all right, they're trying something different. Let's go with it and let's see where it goes. And maybe we're going to like it, but guess what? We got a year more of Superman comics because they could actually at any given time, stop doing that. <laughs> so I feel like our fans need to think like Anthony on his routine with his mom, like excited about just getting books and reading books and, and being that nostalgic kid side of us and not the I'm entitled kind of side of us well said well said and i i, I mean, we could go on about this there's, there's a lot to say but you said it perfectly yeah. and i you know one of the things is that not not every story not every interpretation needs to be for all of us every time right, right? sometimes stories are geared towards you know maybe bringing in a new reader or a lapsed reader or you know whatever the case may yeah. be so there's that and we've all been around the block long enough to know like stuff comes back around. So if you don't like one take, something else will be there. There's always older material to, to dive into. And I think, you know, certainly what I think has become a theme over the course of doing this podcast is, you know, I've definitely become a lot more open-minded and I've gotten better at understanding where stories and creators are coming from and what they're drawing inspiration from and what the intent is. And I think the only times I've really been, like annoyed is when I feel like something is either not well-intentioned or it's just really not executed well. But if it's a matter of, Hey, I just didn't agree with this choice. That's not necessarily a failing. Right. And I can recognize it. Like I can say like, look, yeah. I wish the story had done this instead of that, but, but without that sense of entitlement, right? Like it's just, you know, it's yeah. a, a choice that a creator made it, it you know, it, it is what it is. So 
Yeah, you all know? of us, myself included, right? Like we, I think we could all stand to be just a little, oh. or like relax a little bit and be a little more open-minded with everything. Yeah. As, <laughs> as a music teacher, I tell my students a lot, like part of being creative is taking risks. So like wh- whether you're playing clarinet or, or you're doing something on a drum set, just go, like try something, put some more air through the instrument, try to try to make something special and sometimes you, it doesn't work if you fall on your face. And for some people, Superman Blue might have been a fall on the face. But they took a risk and said, hey, let's try something new. They, I, I didn't see anybody else sitting at that table. Like everybody, we, They had creative teams going, what can we do that's going to be different? Maybe special for some. And it was special for you. You're like, oh, cool. This is really neat. I love this cover. How cool is that? Oh, is a sonic boom every time he leaves and he freaks out people around. Like, again, breathe and enjoy and take a creative risk and go with the risk and go with the flow and then sit back and go, it's okay if I didn't love it, but I like that they tried something. Exactly. No, exactly. And as far as my impression now doing this reread, and I've only read what we're discussing. I haven't read for the next episode yet, but- I enjoyed what I read. Is, yeah. is it is it my favorite of what I've read of the Triangle Era? No, but there's still here's the thing, and I, and I think when we get to the end of this event, I'll reiterate the same thing. But the level of consistency during this entire decade is unmatched. the The cohesiveness from book to book, and just the overall level of consistency is everyone, you know, knocked out of the park. No, not necessarily, but. I the tone is the tone is very consistent. The tone is very consistent. And I think the, you know, sort of the how whatever you want to call it, like the bottom level, the base level is like a very good. Like there I, I can't think of many issues or, or certainly storylines that I'm like, oh, that was bad, right? That was yeah. poorly executed. It's like I would say generally they're pretty strong and then some are really great. So, yeah. you know, I so overall I enjoyed this reread. And I also found there were some uh, there's a, there's the, I don't know if people are familiar. There's a podcast uh, for fans of the old wizard magazine. Uh, there's a podcast. I think it's, I, I forget, wish I had the exact title off the top of my head, but it's like the podcast guide to comics or something like that. Um, but oh. it has wizard in the title. And so they go through issue by issue. They go through wizard magazine, but I also follow them on social media and they posted not too long ago, uh, scans or screenshots of old wizard articles mm. pertaining to electric Superman. And they had quotes from the creative teams. And it was Dave Michelinie in particular. He had a quote in one of these articles in Wizard where he was like, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, but basically saying like, nobody's like, we're not saying this is forever, right? It's like, I think people know like this is a temporary thing. So, you know, as, as far as what the sentiment was at the time, because I, from what I've read since and what little I, here's the thing, like, I, I can't say I really had my finger on the pulse at the time, right? At, at yeah. most I had Wizard. We didn't have the internet. I, I wasn't talking to people at a comic shop about this. So, but I guess in terms of what I've heard in the years since, right? And maybe what I did read in Wizard at the time, I I think there was a lot of, a lot of pushback to this. But yeah, to hear them talk about it, you know, I think they were fairly clear, right? This is not forever. And what they also, because they interviewed all the creators and the editors and everything, and one of the things they talked about, and I think you see this in in the way it's presented in the comics, but they talked about wanting to challenge Superman in a new way, right? He's at a point now where he's so well-established, he's got total command over his powers and what he can do. Yeah. So 
you give him a new power set, he's back at square one. The public doesn't know what to make of him. Like we have all these, you know, these bits and these issues where Dirk Armstrong, the resident conservative of the Daily Planet, is like writing articles about he's a menace. So I think it, yes, there's the the commercial side of this where they need to sell books. And yeah, like you said, I mean, maybe we've, you know, we, we there's a longing to reach what they had during the the height of the death and 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 reign and all of yeah. that. But regardless of where it started, I, genuinely, I think you look at these issues, or at least I did as I was going through this reread, and you see the ways in which they're trying to ground this in the truth of the character. And again, just put him through a new challenge. I think ultimately, and this will probably be my final summation in a few episodes, I think it just, it probably went on too long. And the one thing that I do remember <laughs> was that Millennium Giants crossover. There's the split into red and blue, which is a great callback to a wonderful Silver Age issue. But there's a split to red and blue, which I remember at the time being like, what is this? And then that Millennium Giants crossover, that was really sort of the breaking point. I didn't, you know, I didn't stop collecting and sell everything, but I was, I was, you know, I was, they were really losing me at that point. So I'm a little nervous about getting to that point in my reread. <laughs> as are you? <laughs> I, I will tell you. So I started collecting again after being a kid in the eighties, as you know, when death came out. So from 93 to millennium giants, I was in, I had everything. I stopped buying Superman comics after millennium giants for a solid year. Like I, I think it was worlds at war that brought me back. Maybe but that's, is that Oh one. I think it was yeah, around. That. I think that was, that might've been 2002, but yeah, that was, yeah, early, was very early least, 2000s. At, at least a year. And even my wife was like, are you okay? And I was like, I just, I just can't, I just can't, I can't spend money on this when I'm not enjoying it right now. And I'm going to take a break. And then, I got back in. Of course, the purist. I was like, oh, I got to go back in and fill the stupid issues. And I got it. So, so, but I, I wasn't, I didn't go the, you're all dead to me. And I sold everything. I just was like, I just need to put it on pause because I can't support. I don't, I don't enjoy reading these right now. Yeah, no, for sure. And look, I, I had my experience of going through this as a kid and you know, we can look at it a certain way in retrospect now. Like we know how long it lasted. We know yeah. everything was fine. We got back to normal, but you know, I, I, I can feel for Glenn or someone in Glenn's situation where, yes. especially if you've kind of, if, if you were feeling a little bit of fatigue to begin with, right. You know, we've, yeah. I, I did enjoy in our last round of reading last year, the the breakup of Lois and Clark and them getting back together and the wedding. I thought that was a strong period, but for people who were kind of feeling burnt out by again, dead again, death of Clark Kent, the destruction of Metropolis, like all this stuff, you know, I understand. And then to go from that into something like this, which here's, I think it cuts both ways because whether you recognize it's only temporary, I don't know that that helps so much because you've, I think that lends itself even more to, well, this is just a gimmick or being jerked around. Or if you do yeah. think, oh, this is going to be a long lasting change and you don't like it, it's kind of daunting to think about, oh, I've got to stick with this now. So either way, so I, I can appreciate someone in, in Glenn's situation, but Again, overall, I had I had fun with this reread. I'm mostly yeah. mostly looking forward to <laughs> the upcoming issues. Yeah. I, again, I am nervous about getting to the Millennium Giant stuff, but you know yeah. it'll it'll be okay. Oh yeah, comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. 
Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join All Yeah for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit awyeahcomics.com and follow All Yeah on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Say it with me. Aw, yeah. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina for people of all ages and walks of life. Now in its 40th year, this multiple-time Eisner Award nominee features a significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection. As the Acme team uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material. Mail order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available anywhere via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and under new ownership since 2020, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany, New Jersey the next time you're in the Garden State. And be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. So you mentioned this question about how Clark gets these powers. And this was the question from our patron, Josh, uh, to borrow a term from the Talkville podcast, patron privilege, one of our reward tiers, you can submit a comment or question to be read along with your name on the podcast. And I love, Man, I love I gotta, when we get these. I got to start sending you questions. Now. Yeah, send me stuff. I send it. <laughs> I send out a call to the patrons at that tier every month. I'm like, listen, this is what I'm recording. So you also get a heads up on on what, I mean, you're on a lot of these episodes, so it's, <laughs> it's less of a perk, but uh, you know, it, it's also kind of a heads up about what's what's coming out. Anyway. Josh says, Electric Superman is what got me into comics. Oh, got him into comics, not even just Superman. Oh, that's cool. Over the years, as I've sold off and bought back and sold off so much of my collection, I refused ever to part with those issues. But, and this is where your question, Bernie, comes into play. But, gun to my head, I don't think I could quite explain what happened there. Upon rereading it more recently than I have, can you summarize the quote-unquote origin of Superman Blue in a... (laughs) My favorite part <laughs> in a few concise sentences <laughs> oh josh have you ever known anthony or myself to do anything in concise sentences dude <laughs> i mean there's a reason we have it's a two-hour episode two hours <laughs> like, although i think in right, this, you can try it I'll, I'll i'll keep i'll keep tabs on you you go you get three sentences you can do it wait i need to set this up <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. There's always a lot of a lot of table setting. I, you know, part. So here's the thing. This question made me laugh, and I wrote right back to him, and I was like, I totally know what you mean, because yeah. I think this is something that has always been a bit nebulous. There's an issue coming up. It wasn't in what we read, and I, I was, I was scanning through other issues coming up beyond this to see if I could find it, and I couldn't. But I know I'll get there because I remember this. But there's a scene in one of these books. It's not in the trade. It's in like the reading beyond this. But right. a, and I'm, an, just, I'm just looking for it because I'm curious when it started, but go ahead. So there's an issue at some point where Professor Hamilton gives as concrete an explanation as we ever get 
And as best as I can recall from the 10-year-old kid who read this, something about Superman becoming susceptible to some kind of energy wave, and that's what changed him. It was, even then, even in that explanation, it was kind of nebulous. But I was really, I had Josh's question in mind as I was going through this reread. And and the Wizard articles also kind of point to this a little bit. Hmm. There was a story in last year's reading that we did uh, before the wedding where Tolos, the, that be right. who comes up here again, this uh, essentially the, the, the triangle era version of Brainiac, right. Who collects these uh, representatives from various alien species in this bottle city of Kandor, right. So it's not a Kryptonian city, but it's a collection of, of, of prisoners from different worlds. Um, There's a storyline before the wedding where Tolos tries to possess Superman, because that's the whole, that's Tolos's whole deal. Like he has this right. bottle of bodies that he can possess and, and utilize. And he tries to do that to Superman. And apparently that does something to Superman because there's the issue that we read where Superman takes Lois to the fortress and he references, and there are editor's notes with references to these specific issues. He references okay. Tolos's attempt to control him as well as the fact that shortly thereafter, when he went to the fortress, and this was during Final Night, the robots didn't recognize his DNA. So it appears that as far back as Tolos's attempt to possess him changed his DNA. Now, whether that in and of itself generated these powers or, again, made him susceptible to these powers, I don't know. I will keep an eye out for a better explanation as it comes up, but... As of now, it seems like that, if we trace it back, like what's the potential earliest point for what would become Electric Superman? It seems to be that. That's not a few concise sentences, but that's the best now, I could do. Now, if you, if you count run-on sentences, <laughs> that would be probably only four sentences. So you're okay. That was good. I did an interview once for one of my documentaries, and uh, I think they probably just use like a, some sort of transcription service or whatever but they didn't add any punctuation. And I remember reading it after and I was like, this is unreadable. (laughs) You know, it's like I, you know, put a period somewhere anyway. But I mean, what, what, how does that match up with any theory that you have or any memory that you have of this? Well, and so I was asking that question just like Josh did. And as I was rereading it, we we start with power struggle. So, I was wondering if it was something to do with he was a, he was overexposed when he got when he was in the sun when he was in the suit maybe there was something that there was a residual charge that was left that like he it was just too much energy that he's holding and that was the way his body decided to absorb it he became almost pure energy because he was just so amped up and not able to control it it is I don't know like it is kind of funny that I think they wanted to make this change, but they didn't really care so much about how they just went, let's just do this. And then we'll, we'll make a connection sometime soon. I mean, if you notice, they don't really like bring it up until like we're talking about issues and issues and issues in to explain how it kind of really happened. But yeah, I, I don't, it doesn't bother me, but it was just kind of interesting. Usually in, and you see it in exposition, like, Here's how the change is happening. But it didn't bother me too much. It it didn't bother me necessarily, but at the same time, I wonder 
if that didn't if that didn't in part feed into frustration that some fans might have had yeah right because on top honestly on top of having to accept a new costume new powers there's also this lingering question like well how did this even happen and you know in fairness to the creators they, that's part of the story that they're telling, right? He doesn't know. Yeah. And he articulates, like, I don't still don't know how this is happening. I got to go talk to Professor Hamilton. So they made that part of the story, but I, I feel like may, maybe it wouldn't have made a difference for, for a lot of people, but I feel like it could have made things a bit more palatable if it was at least clear, okay, this is, this is how and why he has these powers. And, you know, maybe, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't have a, a specific, you know, alternate story to pitch per se, but I, right. I don't know if there's, he has to sacrifice or he thinks he's sacrificing his powers to save somebody. Right. And then he ends up with the, with these new abilities through something that happens over the course of that event. Yeah. Like something, I, I don't know, but maybe that would have helped. I think that we, in just reading comics or Superman comics, we of course are asked to suspend disbelief always. I think that's what though, like current fans in all genres are getting a little frustrated with, because we've seen things done very well. And when you see and read things done very well, you can call it out. You're like, no, 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 no. I, I call BS on that. Like you're just making up stuff or, or just, we, I saw it a lot in the star Wars Obi-Wan show. There was a lot of stuff where they would just jump and they'd expect that you would just be okay with that. It's like, well, no, you didn't fill in all that gap. So I think there's a little of that here, but yeah, I'm with you. I would have just enjoyed a little carrot or, or it wouldn't take it long. It could have taken half an issue. Maybe not even maybe two panels. Yeah. So in sort of looking at the broad strokes of the issues that we read, we started with the four part power struggle. So as people recall, either from their own reading or from the episodes we did at the end of last year, Superman lost his powers during final night, right? The, the sun was snuffed out. Of course, that's the source of his powers. And curiously, when the sun was restored, his powers did not return. So he was powerless all through the wedding, through the honeymoon. And now we have this four-part arc power struggle kicking off 1997 in the Triangle Era. Now, famously, and I can't remember this if this was acknowledged in letters pages or wizard or later interviews or what, because clearly this came from somewhere, but these issues, you know, we, we had talked about how the creative teams had to pivot really quickly and accelerate the plans for the wedding. There was all this business about syncing up with the TV show and everything. So power struggle was, I think created, you know, partially, if not fully, before Lois and Clark were married, right? And so if you read those issues, Lois isn't in them at all. And each issue sort of like <laughs> jams in a reference to <laughs> the fact that they're married, typically in, in Clark's thought bubbles. Mm. Uh, m- most notably, I think, when he's with the new gods and they're talking about this plan to go to the sun to restore Superman's powers. And he thinks to himself, like, oh, I should really check in with Lois and see if, this, if she's <laughs> okay with this. I tried calling her, but she didn't answer. She must be on a story. Oh, well. <laughs> you know, in their, in their defense, right? They did what they had to do. I, you know, I don't fault yeah. them per se, but it is just kind of interesting right after the honeymoon, literally the next storyline that Lois is MIA and we just have these, you know, sort of inserted references to the fact that even to the point, not to nitpick, but 
in the in part one of Power Struggle, we open on Clark sunbathing shirtless on the roof of the Daily Planet. <laughs> and, yes. And you, if you, I don't know if like if you notice this, but the the lettering in the thought bubble where he references Lois being his wife is different. It's different. What? Like I, like someone went like it. It was clearly changed after the fact. So uh, anyway, just just a, Some, a small note about somebody, that. Somebody went. We probably should mention Lois here. <laughs> yes, but what, like, what do you think about this arc overall? I, w- I was fine with it. Let me look at my notes. Um, I didn't. I, I loved the final. I'm one of the pers- people that really liked the final night. Me too. You know, I, I enjoyed that story arc, and then it was to me like, oh, sun's back. Why is his powers not back? And I think it was, I mean, there was a little something you could say, like, I think there was something different about the sun when Hal rebooted it. So, but, but still like, I don't know, man, I, that to me was really cool. It's like, Oh, what's he going to do? And we see in the power struggle where he's trying to like be Superman. I think there's one point he gets into a car. I think like he, like, <laughs> he, he has to like try to get, get to places like, because he can't fly. And he like pounces a lot and that kind of stuff. But he's a regular dude. Like it's like you just out there trying to like stop crime. Like just hoping nobody notices that Anthony has no powers. I know he really relies, you know, he has to rely on his natural abilities, but also on his reputation, right? There's a lot of that. And I think probably in that first issue where he sort of talks down a gunman where he's like, look, you know what's going to happen if you shoot at me. The bullets bounce off, right? And the guy buys it, but it's it's definitely yeah. it's definitely a risk. Uh, I, I like this arc. This was one of the ones that sort of always stuck with me from reading it as yeah. a kid. I liked, you know, I, I loved when I think it's in part three when he goes to the fortress, right, and he tries the Kryptonian rejuvenation pod that had brought yeah. him back to life after after dying at the hands of Doomsday. If you didn't know this, everybody, Anthony <laughs> really enjoys black suit Superman. So I saw that cover because I'm reading the original issues and the third, I'm like, dude, look at these doop doop doo up black suit Superman. This is why Anthony wants to talk about this. This is why um, I, I, I got excited that. too. I love, I love that. I, I love, I love any time we can see Superman in the black suit with silver. You know what I thought was interesting? We, we talked about Morrison's JLA that hasn't happened yet, but that's like coming imminently. Yeah. But what yeah. I thought was interesting is Superman's really on his own here. Like in part one, he's breaking into LexCorp, right? To try to access Lex's yeah. technology. And he runs into the Legion of Superheroes, right? Who are trying to get back to their time. And then they try to help him. They take him to they take him to outer space. They're near the sun. They put him in this suit and try to funnel energy in. It doesn't work. But I just thought to myself, wait, man, the this is a different state of the DCU than we would get very shortly thereafter than we would get today. Like yeah. if this story happened now, he would instantly be in the watchtower with Jean running tests on him and, and, and everything. Yeah. Right. But it felt like he was, I don't want to say on his own, but, but in a sense, and I, 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 it's not that I prefer one over the other. I think it's just kind of interesting to get this different take where he's not as firmly enmeshed in the rest of the DCU. Right. And he has all of these people and resources at his disposal. Like he's really kind of, he's got Emil Hamilton and, Again, he stumbles upon the Legion. He, you know, knows enough, I guess, in the next issue to go to Cadmus. But again, it's just, uh, you know, sort of a, a more individualistic version, I think, than we will get later, where it's more of this DC community. Yeah. Um, 
I was thinking about like what was else about this about power struggle that really struck me with that transition into this kind of as a new era almost like we're we're leaving final night we're going into another long arc we know what's coming um it was an interesting connection between what superman was going through and what perry was going through yes uh because you see like superman trying to figure out i've had these powers i don't have these powers anymore i need to figure out how to function and then you have perry who's always this like strong brash like go get him and he's and cancer is like whittling away at him he's getting weaker and thinner and the chemo's really getting to him it was just a really interesting parallel at the exact same time yeah i agree and i, I like that a lot I, I you know i love i mean that scene in particular where you know perry you know catches clark sunbathing on the roof trying to yeah. restore his powers and you know clark has to think on his feet and he's like oh you know back on the farm and i would just stand out in the fields and soak up the sun but yeah you know i think you know perry articulates some real fears to clark i yeah. th- this whole cancer story you know it's been tough to watch perry go through this and thankfully over the course of the issues that we read he goes into remission right. the cancer goes into remission they really toy yeah. with us for a little bit where the doctor calls and he's like, listen, Perry, this is yeah. news I give over the phone. It's like, oh my God. And then like, <laughs> th- there's like a whole issue I think where it's not acknowledged. And then the one after that, he says to Alice, he's like, listen, I got I got from the doctor. Like I got to tell you. Yeah. But then again, we cut away. It's like, God damn it. What's the news? Yeah. Tell me and, what's up. And, and thankfully he's okay. But I, um, yeah. I, I, I really like this arc for Perry and I, I like when Perry has anything to do. I, I wish it weren't this, but I, I thought this, and I think it, it it opened up this avenue to show a more vulnerable side of this typically gruff character, which I appreciate, right. and also to have these points of connection with Clark. And I think also knowing that this arc was cr- created or intended, you know, when Lois was out of the picture, right? right, for for Perry to kind of serve that role of being a bit of a sounding board, even though he doesn't realize the extent to which he, which he is doing that, uh, I, I think is cool. So yeah, I, I thought that, I, I like that a lot. I like that yeah. a lot. The uh, I, I think the biggest thing about this power struggle arc, and I know from when we're recording this, you haven't heard this yet, but the audience will have heard by now. I did an episode with Lance from uh, the Always Hold On to Arrow podcast on Superman and Lois season two. Okay. Did you watch the whole season? Yeah. Okay. So we, we have now another example, and of course, power struggle came years earlier, of Superman being thrown into the sun to restore his depleted powers. And we had a lot of fun about talking about that idea in that Superman and Lois episode, but it's just, if I ever have the opportunity to write anything Superman related, I can almost guarantee there will come a point where Superman's powerless and the people around him are like, Oh no, Superman, what are we going to do? And he's like, guys, don't worry. <laughs> just toss me in the sun. I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just such an, that now is such a cliched use. <laughs> oh, well, just plug him in. Just toss him in the sun. Just toss me in the it'll sun. Be, it'll be fine. Yeah. I, you know what it is? I think there's something beautiful about that, that what has now become a trope, I guess, where yeah. it's the science is amorphous enough where it's like, yeah. sure, like it, you know, we can connect the dots. But the, you know, and it's like, yes, you, we know that he's not going to die, but the, suspending our disbelief it's dang it's dangerous right so there's this there's this moment where he's tossed in it's like you don't know 
<laughs> and then he emerges stronger than ever. And it's this, this moment of triumph. So uh, we, we got another instance of that here. I, I need to be keeping a tally of this. You know, Smallville did it at the end of the season eight premiere where Clark's dying and John Jones flies him into the sun. I mean, we don't see much of it because the show was limited in that respect, but <laughs> he, he went into space, he went yeah. into the sun or at least near the sun. Uh, Superman and Lois season two, like full on thrown into the sun. Here he's thrown into the sun. Yep. I'm surprised Zach Moore doesn't have a tally on that one yet. Like he's, <laughs> he, he keeps a really nice running tally of things that happen throughout. <laughs> I Well, that one would be sure. I mean, I think in the run of that show, that was the only time. Yeah. But as far as the Superman oh, okay. mythology overall, yeah. I mean, we've yeah. had a few instances of it. I mean, even... Superman Returns and Batman v Superman. I mean, it's not to the extent of going all the way into the heart of the sun, but you still get those moments of them in space, soaking up those rays and recharging. Christ, you gotta get the Christ pose going, man. Going full Christ on the sun. Yeah. 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 We didn't have that here, but anyway, like I thought this was a cool arc again, sort of showing how he had to be a little bit more resourceful and, uh, and everything and ultimately getting them back through the, through the power of the sun. So, you know, well, that sort of kicks things off. And you had me read number five, which wasn't officially power struggle, but you had to punish me with a maxima issue. I did, no, I did it though. I said, uh, cause so where, where did you read? How did you read? Did you read on the individual? No, I read, I read my, my actual issues. Oh, okay. No, but I had said, I had just said power struggle. I didn't, I didn't mean to subject you to that oh, maxima issue. I swore you said one through five. I was like, okay, I read one through five. Oh, well, maybe I, like, it might've been a typo. If I did, I like, apologize. Damn it, Anthony make, I think, I think I thought he was punishing me. He's like, oh, he's punishing me. He's making me read a maxima issue. <laughs> you know, so it's this whole, this man of tomorrow, this issue of man of tomorrow where uh, Lois and Clark are enjoying some, some time at, at the boardwalk yeah. and they run into Lori. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then maxima. Attacks. I, I don't know if you have strong thoughts or feelings on on Maxima because she had this whole heroic turn. She was in the Justice League, and then, you know, she's back to chasing after Superman and causing destruction. And and the issues that you, we had, you know, uh, sort of absolved you from re- reading. She joins the new Superman Revenge Squad. Um, yeah, like, did you feel like that was a kind of step backwards for the character? Because that was kind of what yes. I was thinking as I was reading. Well, that that's what. Because she started, she starts off. Isn't she originally with Mongol way back? Like I feel like they met on War World way back, and I could be off base, but I remember that she was looking for a mate, and I feel that there was a maybe it was Panic in the Sky. I forget. Well, she ultimately turns. She yeah, she was mixed she up. Turns in, good. Yeah, yeah, and that's what in Panic in the Sky, like she has her turn to good. Right. Um, I, I can't remember. She exactly. was originally like kind of rough and bad and. She was like a warrior princess and she was, she didn't kind of mind killing people, but then she was looking for a mate and then things turn around. She's in the justice league uh, B team. We don't like to talk about. And then, <laughs> and then uh, she even mentions, I think she, at one point, like she couldn't, she couldn't, she was like fighting doomsday and she couldn't, she couldn't help with that. But then, yeah. And this issue was like, Oh, now I'm going to go back out to Superman. I was like, what are we, what are we doing here? I'm like, Anthony, you're killing me. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't say that that was my favorite issue. And and then no. very shortly thereafter, she joins the new Superman revenge squad, which includes, which is rough riot barrage anomaly, anomaly. F- Misa. 
if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I, I think that's everyone. I don't know that I've, I don't think I've left anyone out. Misa, that's a Jar Jar Binks word. That's not a character. That's not. Yeah, that's how Misa. it's spelled. Unless, uh, no. yeah. It's like Misa, Misa really <laughs> hate this. Misa really hate this whole arc. You know, the, the Furies, like the, the, um, or the, uh, I'm conflating some stuff, but the, um, it, it ties into the, the fourth world characters and Habitat and that oh, yeah, 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 okay. Um, and she's the daughter of a couple of the characters there, and she's very rebellious, and and, and that. Although she pops up in the um in the power struggle at Cadmus, she's the one in green, yes, yes. Uh, causing yes. all that trouble. Um, and then though they're not part of the revenge squad, we do get a couple of other issues before the whole transformation with a uh, cauldron. Mm-hmm. Uh, this you know peacekeeping robot with. with you know, clone. I remember that cover. Yeah. I, I really remember that cover. It's like, he's like the whole thing. There's like silver all the way down the cover. Yeah, exactly. And then another new villain, Rock, uh, who was a guy who was subjected, subjected to experiments by LexCorp and turned into this rock like creature and sought revenge against Lex. Um, they got really creative with the name of that character. Yes. Yes. Uh, the, you know, it's funny. The description refers to him as carbide, but in the issue, they only refer to him as rock. So I, I don't know, but I don't know. Kind of all I have to say about that batch of issues was these are not, in my opinion, the strongest villains. I think there's a reason they didn't stick around. It They didn't necessarily make for the most compelling stories. And the, the whole Revenge Squad three-parter, it plays out kind of how you would probably expect, right? It all falls apart because they can't work together. <laughs> you know, there right. there's, comes a point where it looks like they've got the upper hand, but it all falls apart. But in fairness, because I was looking on the bright side here, I can appreciate the attempt to expand yes. the rogues gallery and to introduce yeah. new villains. And for every conduit, I love, you know, there's a barrage or an, uh, you know, anomaly or whatever his name is. So, you know, I, I, I can appreciate it, but it definitely, those were not the most memorable stories. That's why when you were like, I'm really pressed for time, like, you know what? Hit, hit power struggle. <laughs> and uh. then we could jump to the transformation. It's okay. <laughs> It, even with, you know, it's interesting, even with the, the books I did need to read, you had said this and I agree with this. I don't think any of this is, is a bad read, but it does. And and even in the ones that you're talking about, the ones that I didn't get to fully reread, there is a very soap opera vibe. Like it's, there's like three, there's always three main things happening in each book. It's very formulaic. Um, nothing is badly written, but it's just kind of dry and it keeps enough action going in there, but it's, it's nothing super exciting and it's a little melodramatic at times. And like the revenge squad's a perfect example. It was like, Oh, we're taking the soap opera off to an Island and bad stuff happens. Oh, they're back in the city again. It, it was, that's how it felt to me a lot. I understand. And you know, I'm, I'm jumping ahead here, but you, you bring up an interesting point. I wanted to hit on this because uh, this batch of issues that we read introduces the new character of Scorn. This well, I kind of like Scorn. This Kandorian prince who escapes yeah. the bottle city and comes to Metropolis and of course doesn't understand the language and, and you know has a physical confrontation with Superman yet finds himself drawn to Superman, ends up going to Clark's apartment, finding a Superman costume. He puts it on. Uh, and of course, Scorn is not his name. His real name is, um, oh God, was it Seratak? Seratak, yes. Seratak. It sounds like a 
Like a venereal disease medication. Yes, there's a joke about that in the, in the, <laughs> the book. <laughs> That's right. Saratac. Uh So I know you said you like the character. I, I just know that he becomes pretty prominent in the supporting cast moving forward. And I'm a little bit... And I don't remember that. I don't remember because I, I, now I have to, of course, you do episodes like this, Anthony, and now I have to continue to read <laughs> Even though it's not going to be an assignment, it's now an assignment. I know. So... Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I think I like the character just, it's very simple. Um, it's a sweet kind of, he's trying to do the right thing. There's always, of course, the classic misunderstanding always like, clearly there's Ashbury Dirk's blind daughter who can't see like who he is really at first. And there's a connection there and it's, it's just nice. It's nothing to me that's bad. Yeah, no, fair enough. You know, I, I, I mentioned wizard before I remember I think I know I've referenced this in other episodes, but there was an article. I think it was right before Jeff Loeb and Joe Kelly took over. And it was, the article was called Clark Kant and it was everything wrong with the Superman books at the time. Wow. Which, you know, it's like funny in retrospect because it's like, you know, obviously wizard is long gone, but I'm thinking about, I mean, I don't know. I guess CBR would run something like that, but I don't like Newsarama would never run something like that. No. Right. Uh, so it's kind of like in retrospect, like ballsy. That <laughs> is ball. Like, it's like, all right, guys, settle down. It is a very clever title, but settle down. <laughs> but I, you know, I re- as a kid, I remember reading that and, and this was probably around millennium giants time. And I probably was feeling this a little bit. And one of the things I've long since parted with my wizard issues. I don't remember all the specifics, but one of the things that that still stands out, they did call out, the ballooning supporting cast and how the supporting cast was overshadowing Clark and overcrowding the books. And, you know, it's interesting because in all of these episodes we've done in these triangle era events, like I've been singing the praises of the supporting cast. And I do, I continue to do that. And definitely everything we've read so far, like, I think that's, that's the hidden gem of, of this run, the secret weapon, right? Like that's what makes this stuff work because you, you're building out the world of Metropolis. You're building out this cast. Like you care about what's going on. And, you know, in these issues, we have Jimmy Olsen's, uh, you know, continuing spiritual downfall as he's selling out and he's working yes. for GBS and, uh, yeah. you know, he's losing his integrity and, and, and he's not being the person we know he can be. Uh, we talked about Perry White's cancer. Um, Simone, but again, yeah. listen, listen to what you're saying. Like, tell me that's not a soap opera. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, I don't like, no, that's the thing. I don't disagree. But, um, yeah. oh, and we also have, uh, oh, it's so good that you're here for this because we have Simone. Remember Simone, the French woman who showed Clark the ropes in more ways than one? Uh, showed her, showed him the ropes. Yeah, listen, she made him a man. Uh, you know, we yeah, talked I about this. Showed, I think, I think he showed her the rope. <laughs> 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 but you know, we talked about this when we talked about the the zero month after zero hour. We got more of Clark's backstory um, as he was traveling yeah. the world and he was in France and and was working with Simone. And she comes on now as this new marketing consultant at the Daily Planet. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then we have Dirk Armstrong, again, the resident conservative, which is really funny because I feel like <laughs> compared to what exists today, um, yeah. Dirk is a real, oh. real tame, <laughs> real oh, tame yeah. conservative. He's, I, I mean, thought of that. I thought of that too. Yeah. It's like he doesn't like rap music. He's like, oh, this conservative. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well. It was the 90s. It was the 90s. Everybody keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. But that made me laugh. And all then, of these, all these loud people were hiding still. <laughs> Uh, and then his daughter, like you said, Ashbury. 
Um, so I, I, I lay all of that out just to say that, again, I've really been a big fan of the supporting cast. As we get into this territory where now, again, we have Scorn, we have Ashbury, a lot of characters yeah. in the mix. I, I do have that article in the back of my head and I don't know, like we'll see. Like that's one of the things that I'm kind of curious about as we're moving forward because when Loeb and Kelly took over Superman and Action respectively, that yeah. was one of the things. They really dialed all that back. I mean, it really focused more squarely on the the more traditional cast. It's it's hard to sustain. Like, so I love, like I'm with you. Like for me, the, the 90s Superman cast of characters made it interesting. Again, like very melodramatic. But look at the like the CW shows or Arrowverse or those kind of shows. The more they kept adding which was cool they kept adding really great characters but they weren't smart they didn't treat them like guest stars they, they became more parts of the show legends of tomorrow you can't feasibly hit everything you need to in 52 minutes and then it's really drawn out and that that's just that's a slog and i think they kind of ran into that a little bit in the early 2000s too and that's why they started to pull back I know that is a. I think that's a great comparison. Uh, that's one of the biggest issues that I've had with those shows is just the yeah. you know again the supporting cast that everyone's a team right. It's all about the superheroics. They're all in the bunker. Every, yeah. You know, most of them become yeah. superpowered beings of uh, right. You know, in their own right, it's a whole thing. So, like season one of the Flash is is almost a perfect season, and then they had to they had to just start bringing more people in. Yeah. Thank you to all members of my Patreon community for supporting this podcast. If you like what you hear and are not a member yet, please consider signing up today at patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato. We offer a variety of monthly reward tiers and discounted annual memberships are available too. Beginning at the $1 level, you can listen to Digging for Justice, my exclusive DC movie rewatch podcast. Click the link in the show notes for more. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcast goes a long way and only takes a second. You're also welcome to join the conversation on social media via the links in the show notes. Last but not least, we are an affiliate of BCW Supplies, so the next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP to save 10% on your order. That's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions. It helps support the show too. Thank you. Filmmakers and movie fans alike should be sure to attend these film festivals. Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. On a personal note, my short film, By Spoon, The J. Mizell Story, played at these fests, so I know firsthand what fun and well-run events they are. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts, available via a shared universe network. This episode made possible in part by educator, hobby comic book collector, and pop culture enthusiast, Sam Lim. Sam just moved to the South Jersey area and is looking to connect with other comics fans as well as retailers. They are also looking for comic shops to explore, so recommendations are welcome. Be sure to follow Sam on Instagram at SZLComics. Uh, I will say there were, I had mentioned before, there's a one-off by Jurgens and friends about mm. uh, everyone sort of imagining what they would do if they had the powers of Superman. I, two things real quick. One, 
throughout the issue, uh, essentially everyone sort of thinks about it in more selfish terms. Uh, you know, Lex's fantasy is probably very easy to guess, right? He's <laughs> subjugated the world. Um, Perry White, so this is one of the things I wanted to mention. Perry's is, um, he would have used it to, to essentially to help people, but more in his journalistic pursuits. Oh. Um, but what was beautiful, about, and, but, and, but he talks to, because he's having this conversation with Clark and uh, Clark essentially says like, oh, like, wouldn't you, you know, you wouldn't be a hero or something like that. And he's like, well, you know, being a journalist is a hero, so, something to that effect. Uh, so it, he made a larger point, but why I bring this up uh, and I mentioned how much I love Ron Friends, when Perry imagines himself as Superman, it's George Reeves. It's him as George oh. Reeves. Like, it's awesome. It's so cool. Oh, I'll check it out. I got it downstairs. I uh, I posted it on the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network Facebook group, and I also posted oh, it on okay. Twitter. So yeah, oh, for any, okay. anyone who wants to take a quick look. Uh, so that stood out to me. But then the sort of the, I think the very nice postscript or the coda to that issue was uh, the final person who Superman talks to, who imagines their life as, as uh, Superman, is little Keith. And Keith is the one who talks about how he would stand up for the week and he would take care of the bullies and you know, it really sort of lifts Superman's spirits that it's like, Oh, like someone else would sort of yeah. do what I've done. And, and he, you know, kind of reflects on the, the larger impact of being Superman beyond just saving the day and that in that instant, but more what it can inspire. So it was a nice, nice little one-off. It's really interesting. Um, did you ever get to watch heroes? I watched the first season and that's as far as I got. Yeah. So like we were rewatching it and it's just, it's very interesting. Like I, I watched, I think the first few seasons, but Lana saw that it was on Peacock. She's like, Oh, that's a cool show. Like, what's that about? So we talked, she goes, all right, let's try that. So we've been watching it and here and there. And again, first season is probably one of the best ones, but it is very interesting. It's kind of a cool, like, well, what would the regular person do? Like if they found out they had superheroes, superpowers, would they hide it? Would they be freaks? Would they be like attacked? And it's just some really neat, answers to kind of that kind of issue would be kind of cool yeah no for sure there's one other jurgens one off that i want to we can kind of maybe wrap up with that but i want to i want to dive more into now the actual transformation here so we get about a month or so yeah and, you know to your point right about the soap opera quality of this and the structure of all this especially now reading and rereading so many of these issues and storylines and in a yeah. relatively concentrated period of time like you can and this is not a knock but it's like you can sort of see you could sort of put yourself in those super summits that they used to have, right? Oh, yeah. About like, okay, this is what we're building to. And, you know, we have to plant the seeds. So it's like, okay, in, you know, this month's issue of action, we're going to do this and 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 so on. And you can you can sort of see because you get a lot of the same beats, you know, kind of. And we've yeah. talked about this before, it, it, but it is what it is. So the lead up to the transformation, you know, you know, Clark, his hand goes through the coffee maker, right? Yeah. Um, a bullet passes through him, right? And hits an innocent bystander, right? He's starting yeah. to you know, becoming material, things are phasing through him. Uh, the electricity yeah. starts to manifest. It's essentially everything is going awry. We're not at the point yeah. yet of the containment suit. Um, I don't know, what was your take on on that leg of the journey here where um, things are sort of, there's really a lot of confusion for him and us. Well, I liked that, but it was also dangerous. Like I, it it was concerning. Like when the, when the person gets shot, Superman's so used to things bouncing off him and then the, the person behind him takes the bullet. That was... That was kind of, I wasn't scared reading it, but I'm like, oh, that, that could be really terrible. Like he's going to be ridden with guilt with that kind of stuff. Um, I'm glad it, it didn't last super, it didn't last a long time. 
But uh, obviously, that's a progression that needed to happen as he's learning what's what is even happening. Like I think that had to happen. Yeah, yeah. I think the one of those issues I think is the adventures of, uh, of Superman issue. It's like new wife, new home, new powers, new powers. Like right on the cover there. Um, I, I really did like. I have to say, I really like the married Lois and Clark dynamic in these issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like, oh man, how do I put this? I feel like it's getting more, I guess I have a certain, you know, view of them in my mind and the way they've been depicted in more modern stories, uh, you know, kind yeah. of going back and reading these earlier triangle things. Sometimes it's, I think in terms of the level of, you know, nuance or sophistication, we kind of only get so far. Right. And I feel like, I don't know whether we're now getting deeper into the nineties and we're evolving a little bit or the fact that they're married, right. And sort of barriers are sort of down now. Uh, I don't know. Like, I just feel like there's, they're playing as more real to me. I I don't know. It's hard to kind of put my finger on, but I really liked, I I like, I love that she's part of his world in this way and and the way that they're kind of there for each other and their banter and their, you know, their new apartment and, you know, he sets everything up at super speed. And I don't, I don't know. I just, I enjoy their dynamic in these issues. Well, they're, before they got married, there's the tension. Like there's, there's a tension of either she doesn't know, then she knows, and then she knows, and it's a lot. And then it's understanding that she can't really be the sole owner of Clark, like Superman's, like for everybody. What I kind of like about the change, I think you're getting at, is they're more cute. Yeah. Like she's a little more flirty. Like they're just, they're just kind and a cute couple together. And it's a little more romantic at times, but also they rib each other. Like she ribs them, which is good. Like, cause that's real. Like you're saying, like, like we're past the tense stage and we're definitely past the courting stage. Like now it's, they're, they're a married couple that is still young and they love each other and they're cute. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely. I think they're fooling around in the storage closet. You know, they come out yeah. at one point and Allie's like, I've been here for an hour. Like, that. <laughs> so, uh, no, but yeah, like stuff like that is is good. Um, I, I guess that's kind of another aspect that's more subtle. They're not as explicit about it, but you know, it's mm-hmm. like now they're, they can engage each other in that way. Uh, I don't know if you, because you're, I don't, you're not on Twitter, right? So I don't know that you, you follow this. I am oh, you enough. Oh, yeah, okay. not, not a lot, only on certain things, but not much. Because there was, uh, I know, in a, in a recent issue of action comics, I know our last episode, we talked about son of Kal-El and everything and what's right. going on in the Superman books currently, uh, and action comics, 1050, but in an even more recent issue, uh, John Kent, you know, finds the war world costume. Right. And we right. learn that Lois and Clark have oh, been having some fun with that. That's right. I forgot. And, uh, someone, someone, uh, on Twitter kind of called Philip Kennedy Johnson out for that. And, and, you know, basically saying, you know, it's, um, I forget the the you know the exact uh, you know phrasing, oh, but, but essentially, yeah, essentially, like this is an inappropriate use of the characters and things like that. And it's like, and okay. Philip Kenny Johnson very quickly and rightfully, I would argue, shut shut this person down. And it's like, just as a side note here, it's like, yeah, you should show these people having like a fun, healthy sex life for a variety of reasons. One of them being. You know, sometimes, not sometimes, I think a lot of times, right, the argument against marrying off these characters is it ages them, it makes them seem boring, right? Well, 
you know, <laughs> have them do stuff like this. And it's like not so boring. So, I, you know, again, this is just like a very, very, you know, minor early instance. But like, yeah, I, I, li- like, I like seeing them like this. It was it's it's a funny quip. Like you're saying, it's not like we're having like uh, Lois is in a sexy reporter outfit. Like it's it's just something goofy that I like. Oh, yeah. Uh, every now and then I like when your dad puts stuff. <laughs> like. Yeah, it's just it, that, that was funny to me because it was real and goofy and 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 gross in the way that like no kid right wants to know anything about what happens behind closed doors with their mom and dad. Even grown adults don't want to know that about their parents. Yes. Yeah. No, I certainly from John's perspective, totally. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, as far as just the instance of it at all, it's like like this yeah. is like right on. Uh, so yeah. anyway, like I really, in, in these, in these transformed issues that we read, yeah, I really, you know, I enjoyed that whole dynamic and nice. yeah, I thought the run leading up to Superman 123 was solid as you know, everything's kind of falling mm-hmm. apart for Superman and he's has to contend with atomic skull, uh, and yes. then with scorn who's escaped from, from Kandor. Um, after the transformation, we get a longer arc with Kandor, but it's set up, um, earlier in the issues that we read where we get insight into the politics of the bottled city where yeah we have the ruling class the peacekeepers right who sort of are able to keep everyone in line due to the the threat of discipline from tolos right who who is the keeper of this bottle um but things kind of start to fall apart we have this rebel group that would would rather die right than continue to live in the captivity of the right. bottle and there's this growing sentiment, suspicion that Tolos has been killed. Now, in that story that I mentioned to you earlier, where you know Tolos had tried to possess Superman, he had sent the Daxamite out into the world to try to right. uh, try to take Superman out, and seemingly the Daxamite sacrificed himself, destroying Tolos. So, as far as Superman knows, and we know, and as far as the Kandorians are starting to suspect Tolos is dead, yeah. of course At we'll find point. out that's not the yeah. case in in one of the later stories. Right. But that's sort of the backdrop for all of the Candor stuff where, uh, you know, the peacekeepers are sort of losing their grip because, uh, again, they don't have sort of the the threat of Tolos, right, to kind of keep people in line. And, and again, you have these rebels who are yearning for freedom no matter what the cost because they would rather rather die than continue to live uh, under 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 the dome. How, how did you feel about this story? I mean, it for me, I was, I could have lived without it. It was kind of flat for me. I don't always love, I like Krypton every now and then, but I don't know. I don't know what it was about. It was just really boring to me. Oh, interesting. Um, so I've been kind of hard on pocket universe, sod, uh, protoplasm, Supergirl, and, uh, this non-Kryptonian candor in past episodes. And my argument has right. essentially been not against the creators, but more against DC. It's like, wh- wh- you know, what is the purpose of having these edicts that, oh, Superman can oh. be the only survivor? If you're going to open up these other lanes for arguably yeah. lesser versions, right? Right. Why make it a pocket universe Zod? Like just have Zod, Right. I do think the creators did as best they could within the constraints they had. I just, again, more from that big picture perspective, it's like, just like, what are we doing here? However, uh, Mm -hmm. I think just in the context, right? Like if you 
feel the need to have a bottle city, but a campy Kryptonian. I don't know. I mean, I think this is a fair enough substitute, right? That you have these captives from all of these different worlds. And, and again, the politics, yeah. you know, kind of puts a little bit of a different spin on it to an extent. But the other thing I was thinking about was in fairness, you know, sometimes when you strip everything away, right, you're testing, you know, you're, you're testing the viability or the endurance of, of, of whatever it is. And so the fact that we remove the traditional Zod, the traditional Supergirl, the traditional crypt, Kandor, and Crypto, right? right? Yeah. And they all came back eventually. Uh, you know, you could attribute that to just, hey, changing of the guard at DC, people, ch policies change, but... I don't know, on a on a more like meta level, it's like these ideas maybe were just so strong that they couldn't be kept out right. for that long. So maybe there's some value, right? And taking them off the board and having to work around them the way that they did here. And maybe I'm being too generous. I don't know. But uh <laughs> I didn't I didn't mind these. I didn't mind these stories. I, you know, I I I thought they worked well enough for the context of the era we were in. Yeah. I, so again, like I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm negative or positive about it. I, I didn't, I didn't know what I'm, but I flat, not, flat, you said, I, that's, that's a good way to say it. Just kind of meh. Like I didn't, I didn't, um, I guess it's not memorable either. Said something that I remember like, Oh, okay. I remember, I remembered scorn. I just didn't know where scorn came from. It's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like, and then, of course, at the end of the arc, we learn about Tolos, and it's a very brief, like taking over of Superman. I mean, it's like pages, and then he figures it out pretty fast, and Hamilton helps figure it out, and then now he's in the barrier wall of of the Bottle City. So it it seemed again like a very like quick, going to finish up, like like get done, done again, uh, move on to the next thing. So that's maybe that was also what left a weird taste in my mouth. No, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, you know, <laughs> the other thing with Scorn, not again, not to nitpick, but <laughs> so his name is Saratak, right? But of course, he comes out of the bottle, and it's so the, the other little twist here is it's not technically a bottle, right? It's it exists on a different like plane right. of reality, and you're like phasing in and out of it, and it's not a, a glass dome per se, but it's this dimensional field anyway. Yeah. Oh, side note, I don't want to forget this. We're talking about like how he got these powers. In part two of Power Struggle or part three, like when he's trying to get to the fortress. Yeah. And he and you know, he loses power in the in that, you know, racer that he's in, and he ends up at that power station, and there's that energy being that they're contending oh, right. with. Yeah. And, the, and like he takes in the energy being, right, to sort of control it, and then they're able to sort of like siphon it out th from him. I thought that was sort of the inciting incident yeah. for the powers, but again, it really seemed to stem back more towards the Tolos of it all. Anyway, just we're, okay. don't Josh, we're keeping track of this. I'm going to do my best to have a, it, it might come down to me tweeting at Dan Jurgens and being like, Hey, like, what was, <laughs> what's this all about? Uh, uh. <laughs> what was this all about? But when Scorn comes out and he has this physical confrontation with Superman, who's like powers are all over the place at this point. He's, you know, yeah. uh, you know, he can't maintain his physical form and he's bolting here and there and, and frying electronics, right? He's frying the electrical grid. It's Metropolis is, uh, is, is chaos at this point. Uh, in the middle of the battle, Jimmy Olsen is covering it for GBS and Bibbo, good old, good old Bibbo. Yeah. <laughs> Bibbo says something like, oh, that horn guy, that horn, because he's got horns. 
Yeah. And Jim is like, what did you say his name was? Scorn? <laughs> it's like, guys, you know. It's pretty rough. Eventually, we're going to put Scorn in the Superman costume. So, yes, having his name <laughs> start with S makes sense. But I feel like there might have been a more, uh, like, elegant way to get there. Yeah. Also, <laughs> on on what earth would Bibbo? I love Bibbo. I love him to yes. death. But Jim, comma on but. what earth would Bibbo be the one who like has the inside scoop on this, yeah. this creature? <laughs> so anyway, again, uh, we have said publicly we love this cast of characters. Yeah, again, I am. The jury's kind of out for me on Scorn. I just I don't know. Because I know there's a lot, he's a lot of play coming up and I don't remember the specifics of it, just that it's a, it, and I think he's like fairly prominent. And so. Yeah. And I forget, and I need to read further because I, I mean, even Ashbury, the character says, wow, you're really like, you're starting to really learn our language very quickly. So I don't, I don't remember how far along he gets as far as how able is he to communicate and you're going to find out, but I, I will, I, I, you know, part of me feels like, hey, was this just born out of a desire to have someone in the red and blue costume while Clark is electric? I don't know. And if so, I mean, maybe not. I mean, maybe it really was this idea, like this whole Beauty and the Beast sort of romance that's going to develop. And, you know, the fish right. out of water, he comes out of Candor, he's in this new world, he doesn't speak the language. There are a lot of things to play. But part of me wonders if it to whatever extent it stems from, hey, we got to have the traditional costume on someone here. I don't know. Maybe you give Eradicator another spin or I don't know, some other character. I just, I wonder if Scorn was necessarily like the best vehicle for this, but I'll keep an open well, mind. Maybe bring Steel back. I don't know. Like Always Steel, but you know, Steel had his own book at the top, but he could, you know, he could split oh, his time. Yeah, he could split true. his time. I, you know, <laughs> I would yeah. always take Steel. Always, always. Yeah. Make it a crossover. It'd be fine. Yes. Yeah, no, for sure. So, you know, we eventually get to this point. Again, he's dealing with Atomic Skull. Yeah. Uh, again, in this category of, I appreciate the attempt. You know, he's he's trapped in, his mind is trapped in this movie serial, right? He thinks Lois is someone named Zelda uh, and Superman is yes. Dr. Electron or something like that. I forgot about all that. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, look, they're, they're not all going to stick. I appreciate that there was this attempt to expand the rogues gallery. Uh, but eventually we get to Superman 123 and the donning of this containment suit, which is a, yeah. it's sort of a jam. It's a jam effort, right? We have uh, Emil Hamilton and Kitty Faulkner, right? With Star Labs. Right. Uh, Emil has co-opted some Kryptonian technology, but the coup de grace, the way that we're able to actually bring this all together comes from none other than Contessa and LexCorp. Contessa, yep. Yeah. What'd you think Mrs. of that whole, that whole bit? I Well... And we haven't seen it yet, and maybe you will, and I can't remember, but nothing comes without a price. So, like, for me, I was reading, like, oh, like, how is that going to come back? Like, is it is it booby-trapped? Like, will Luther or Contessa be able to control Superman? Like, I remember thinking that way back, and I was and, and rereading, and I was going, like, I can't remember. Is there something that somehow this comes back to bite him in the butt having this suit from her. I can't remember. Maybe you'll, you'll find out soon. I was thinking that too. And you know, audience, you might remember and uh, I'll, I'll get there, but I, 
I don't know that there's a payoff to that. There, I mean, there must be. I can't imagine that there isn't, but for the life of me, I could not tell you. I don't know. I don't remember. Well, yeah, you know, the whole like beware of like gifts. And I was like, oh, like how they could use this so easily. What's going to happen? Is something implanted in it? You know, so yeah, I that was the first thing. I thought it was cool, actually. I was like, oh, she's got the answer. Here it is. The, uh, you know, there's not, a, in what we read, there's not a ton with, Lex and Contessa, except the fact we find out that she's yeah. pregnant, right? Uh, which of course will yield Lena Luther later on. We'll get there. Uh, although I did <laughs> this great bit where, uh, well, two things. One, um, Lex says something to her like, "I can't even find out how old you are." Like, and he's concerned about the health of the baby, and she's like, "How dare you question this?" And one of the last things we're going to talk about is the end of the century graphic novel by Stuart Immonen, which I've never read. Oh, okay. but I know that gives a bit of her backstory, right? And there's an immortality yes. component here. So uh, I'm curious to get to that, but she's even before that, like she's mad at Lex for getting her pregnant essentially and yeah. sets him up, right? There was all this business with Lori Lamaris selling these uh, sunken treasures that she found. Yes. And uh, it's a little, it's a little cloudy as far as exactly what Contessa does, but sets it up to make it look like Lex is kind of responsible for this. And, uh, like he's placed under house arrest and she's like, well, you'll probably be out of this in nine months. So basically like you're confined here <laughs> for the same time that I am. So I just thought that was yeah. a funny bit. I mean, it was kind of cool. We started, we saw a lot of familiar faces come back too. And, and both characters and creative people too. Like I was super excited to see Tom Grummet like again. And I was like, Oh God, I just, I just miss I miss his work on the books. It was cool. We saw like the Ray was back. Obviously we see the Adam come back. Um, and the Adam's got a big thing in the, in the, in the second half of that. Um, Metallo is back. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was kind of, I mean, I, I, I like that aspect or like, Oh, there's familiar characters being brought in and it's not, it's almost like dead again, where we saw a lot of like kind of go through the DC universe. So that, that was fun to me. Yeah, that was cool. And, you know, right after he gets the new containment suit, uh, he fights, he has to fight Metallo. And this is an right. upgrade in Metallo. I think this was after like the Underworld Unleashed business. I think this stems from that, if I'm not mistaken. I, I could be yeah. wrong, but he's basically like a transformer yeah. uh, in, in this, which, you know. And his head is like, his head always shows up in weird places. I, I Are you a Metallo fan? I, I'm a Metallo fan from the from the like the core John Corbin kryptonite heart metallo that's it past that like i'm done like i don't need i don't like all of the like how do they make like like this the transformer or they make him changing into big stuff and growing i was like no no he's a rope he's an android with skin and a kryptonite heart that's it yes yeah i, I like I don't know. I've always wanted to like Metallo more than I, than I do. Yeah. Uh, I know when we did our animated series mixtapes, Jeremy was like really into Metallo and I, I wish I could meet him there. I, I, my, you know, I, I don't know. Your mileage will vary on these characters and, yeah. and I've always wanted to like Metallo more than I have, but going back to what's going on currently, I am really excited because I know Philip Kennedy Johnson's got big plans and, and even in uh, action 1050 and the Callow returns that we already talked about, you know, he's yeah. setting up, uh, sort of an upgrade for Metallo and has plans and we're getting more about his backstory. So 
I I, I want to I want to like Metallo even more. So hopefully we'll get there. But uh, yeah, and I do, and I have to say, like it was cool in the in the burn relaunch, right? Superman number one, the first villain he goes up against is Metallo. So here, right, he gets his new powers, and the first villain he goes up against is Metallo. Yeah. So uh, I thought yeah. that was I thought that was fitting. Uh, you know, the containment suit that Superman gets is um, visually, you know, kind of bare bones, and then Superman yeah. puts the flourish of the S and everything, and. You know, his his first stop is, you know, because they have him in this chamber, right, yeah. in, in Star Labs. And, you know, t- t- really time is running out. It's down to the second where his form is just going to dissipate and he'll be lost forever unless he can pull himself together and get himself in that suit. And they kind of both disappear. And it's like, you know, Lois and Hamilton, like they don't know what happened. And, of course, Superman was able to, you know, pull it together. And his first stop is the farm, which I thought was very yeah. nice. A la Man of Steel, right? Where he flies, you know, he's that iconic yes. shot of him flying up from the farm. And so the first place he goes is there, which I thought was a, that was nice. We, that's the only time we see the Kents, I think, in all these issues that we read. In all the issues, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it was a nice, it was like a nice picture too of like, Pa looks just so happy. And then that's when he flies away. And then it's like the last page of, I think, I think he even said this is a job for Superman in that case too. Yes. You know, he's now the man beyond tomorrow. Being the man of tomorrow is not enough. And <laughs> I, I guess to the, uh, you know, we're, we're coming up on, on end of the century. Right. And so okay. technology is changing and, and I yeah. kind of like putting, a, like putting myself back in the context of that time, you know, the idea of this electrical energy being, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's not like, Oh wow. Why they come up with that? It, you know, you can understand yeah. why that was the take at that time, you know? So I am a little. Do we ever see Livewire come back? I don't think Livewire makes her actual comics appearance until much, much later. Like much later, yeah. I was kind of. It was interesting. Like it seemed. Did he ever travel through things? Did he ever go through like, like she did, where he she she could go into. Apply like you know she can go through electrical current and then appear in the next spot. He would almost just teleport, right? Yeah, there was one of the issues that that was in this reading, I think, where he comes out of Lois's phone, a la the Adam. Yeah, I, I don't kind of. So okay, again, I don't mean to nitpick, but I felt <laughs> I felt a little. Tell me what you think, I because maybe I was just missing stuff or was off or whatever. But I felt like. I don't know how consistent it necessarily felt in terms of exactly what the powers were from book to book, because there's one of the issues, I think it was an issue of action (laughs) comics where he uses a vision bolt. That's essentially heat vision. And I remember reading that. I'm like, where the F is this coming from? Cause the whole thing was like, his powers are different and it seems like essentially he just has heat vision. So like, and I know they coordinate. Yeah. What they're, they're vision bolts. (laughs) Yeah. So. Those are two very different things. <laughs> one is heat and one is electric. <laughs> the thing is, I can get on board with that. It was just that it just came out of nowhere. I mean, there had been so much yeah. discussion about what he can and can't do. Oh, right. And then all they of a sudden- They kept adding things. Yeah. Things kept getting added. I noticed that a lot. It's like, oh, I can teleport. Poof. And then he was like, show up in a different location. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't love that. I felt like they were making up things like- like one week, what else can we give him? Let's try this. I, mean, I didn't, I didn't love that feeling. I know it's, I know we said it's a cool look at the beginning of the episode, yeah. but more specifically, I'm, I guess 
and, and I had sent you the uh, the original Dan Jurgens uh, yeah. design, which of course wasn't used. They went with the Ron Friends design. The Jurgens version was more Kryptonian. Uh, I was just curious, and I'll, I'll post this on social media too. I know maybe people have seen it, maybe not, but I'll post it. But yeah. uh, any other impressions on that original unused design? Well, like I told you, like I, I really liked that design, but it did feel a little too rehashed booster gold look. I felt it looked, it almost looked a little bit like that Hunter Prey outfit, actually. Oh, yeah. So I I like that look, but I don't think it was different enough. And that's probably, that's probably why they didn't go with it. They wanted something very new. That's fair. It's funny. I'm so glad you brought up Hunter Prey because that was that was one of the things I liked about the design they used. I feel like that headgear, for lack of a better word. You know, I love that. I like where the hair comes through, like the top. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That felt very that felt very Hunter Prey esque. And I, you know, I like I like the electric S. I, I mean, I really do like the design. Um, yeah. Someone same. on someone on Twitter was like, "Oh, there should have been a cape." I don't know how that would have worked in the context of these powers. I guess what they could have done. They could have had more electricity just like spilling out of him that yeah. mimicked the look of a cape, even though like it wasn't physically cape. one. Well, the character, remember the dude that like biked through him? Yeah. Says that. Says like, I don't know if I'm digging that there's no cape. And I was like, oh yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh so you know. Yeah, he, anything. Yeah. I I mean, that's as far as I've got. I mean, that's all I got really about this i think this series and and you're gonna dig a whole lot more into the next the next section of it so i'm i'm excited to hear you talk about it and i gotta see if i can read it fast enough to 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 do that so i can listen to the episode (laughs) well i i hope you do and i hope you enjoy but if not you know you can listen and that can be the way that you sort of relive the stories and and i think i think that works too uh you know and that you know after the whole metallo uh series. I mean, that essentially brings us to that, that Candor multi-part story, which we've already, I think, hit on a lot of the major beats where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Emil Hamilton is able to monitor the, the city and sees all of this unrest and Superman enlists the aid of Adam, uh, to go in and, and try to quell, uh, the situation. And, uh, over the course of the story, there's a Candorian who's helping them. Uh, well, I forget her name. It's like Farron or something, right? Farron. Farron. Yeah. Yeah, and the twist here, spoiler alert, is that uh, Tolos is not dead; he's alive, and he's been controlling her. I thought that was mm. a pretty good twist because I, I reading it, I'm like, yeah. well, I, like I, I, you figured something was there had to be some twist, but I just thought she was going to double cross them. The fact that it was actually Tolos, like I just I didn't remember that, and I was like, oh, okay, like that's decent. I agree with you though; oh. his possession of Superman is uh, is, is it's... pretty short lived and pretty easily dealt with by Hamilton. <laughs> I forgot there was one thing that pissed me off. Okay. Um, where do we learn about his powers that he can look like anyone else? Well, his clothes, like the clothes, but that oh, doesn't com- make no. any sense. No, because then he he takes over. He looks like a guard. I, like, Remember, I, I don't, like, yes. I like, no. <sighs> but wait a second. No. Okay. I think we're we're miffed about slightly different things, but we're on. But I, we're both yeah. annoyed. So let's <laughs> let's hold let's hold on to this. <laughs> Okay. No, you're right because they 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 make a whole point about how, and you mentioned this at the beginning, right? When he phases mm-hmm. out of being Superman, right? He's right. Clark and he's normal. He's human. Yes. He, which yes. again, going back to what we were saying about the intent of the creators and the integrity of the creators, I give them credit because I think like this was a way to okay, what's a different spin we can put on this? Well, when he's Clark, he gets tired, he gets hungry, he gets hurt. Right. 
you know, that's different than what we've experienced before. So I thought that was a neat bit. But in the beginning, it's like he doesn't know how to shift his clothes. Uh, and he's like flying naked through the sky as he's zapping back and forth. Uh, and then it seems like he's able to, you know, preserve his clothing. Like whatever he's wearing as Clark, right? He can, you know, kind of phase back into. But in Candor, he just phases into the the guard uniform. And yes. I feel like that was another instance, like those vision bolts where it's like, that's great. <laughs> yeah, like, well, who, like, where'd that come from? Yeah, that's that. That was. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. Me going, what is that? <laughs> like, uh, yes. On, I, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but the the Adam. This is the version of the Adam from Z, after Zero Hour, right? Who's been de-aged, which mm. <laughs> is so funny. It's it is really funny because <laughs> there's he's like trying to def, he's trying to you know uh, repair the environmental. Uh, machinery, yeah. right, in candor, right? Their atmosphere is failing because the rebels yes. have, have tinkered with it. It's like he's, you know, he's been de-aged and like he's forgotten physics. And the, yeah. like one of the Kandorians is like, what do you mean you forgot? Like, <laughs> it, yeah. uh, you know, that was his, you know, just like Superman was going through the, the challenge of new powers. Ray Palmer had that. This is the tangent though. And I, is there, is there ever a point where he is, um, aged back up or is it just something that kind of fades over time as best as you were i mean i don't know if you follow titans or any anywhere else that he popped up i did I not i uh, that's a great question it's okay and i totally put you on the spot but i was I, and this is something i i, I mean i, I remember he eventually <laughs> shows up he eventually comes back in because remember there's the countdown stuff with ray palmer the search for ray palmer that's happening with like right around infinite crisis. Like, but that's like 10 years later from this. Yeah. I don't remember. I feel like continuity wise that that's kind of bounced around quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's some, maybe there's a story that directly addresses his head on, or it could just be that. Yeah. It just, you know, he kind of ages naturally and it's kind of left yeah. off. I don't know. But, uh, I, you know, I liked, you know, I like, you mentioned, you know, the Ray, right? Like Superman yeah. seeks out the counsel of someone who's, oh, I, my yeah. favorite part about that was, and I forget the exact line, but super like Clark says to Lois, like, I basically, like, I can't listen to Hamilton's techno babble. It's like, I just need to talk to oh. someone directly about this. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I thought that was, that was fun. But uh, yeah, I mean, the whole, the, you know, the whole, the whole candor bit uh, that ultimately, you know, uh, freedom is something that they have to kind of they can be free within the bottle essentially. And he's going to work to try to free them. So, you know, that classic, you know, that, that classic status quo of he's trying to free them. And I, I don't remember yeah. from up. I don't know that he ever, <laughs> how much he really focuses no. on it. No, he doesn't. And, <laughs> and then eventually Bendis just smashes it. Doesn't he? Well, I mean, by the time we get to Bendis, we have the true candor, right? From Us, the actual candor. That's right. Yeah. yeah and then Bendis just remember. it. And honestly, dude, you might, as you're going through this assignment, you might very well find out the answers to that. But even for me, that's digging deep. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I again, I've reread the Loeb and Kelly stuff and I just can't remember. It's funny. It's like even, you know, coming into the podcast at the outset, right? There's so much stuff I had forgotten from when I was a kid. But it's yeah. like even now over the course of these two and a half years of doing the podcast, it's like, I don't know, like what we talked about in episode two. I don't, I don't remember all the specifics of all of those stories <laughs> I have to do another oh. episode. Oh gosh. But not to, <laughs> that'd be so torturous. So 
bottled up by the bottle. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think uh, this, I, I don't, I don't know that this gets a ton of play moving forward, but uh, I, I don't know. Like all in all, I think this was a solid, I think this was a solid start to the electric Superman saga. Yeah. I, I think where we'll probably land on this and even, you know, I, I found an interview with Jurgens from the 20 year anniversary. So 2017, oh, cool. he talked about okay. the electric Superman saga and as far as quote unquote regrets, he, you know, overall he seemed pretty proud of the story, but he was like, you know, uh, it did get a little bit unwieldy at times. And he's like, we could yeah. have tightened it. That was the word he used a couple of times. You could have tightened it and had more, it, we could have had clearer chapters essentially. Yeah. I guess you're looking at something like death, right? We had very clearly the death, the funeral, the rain. Yes. I think here too, it, you know, and, and I think it, it did go on so long and, uh, you know, we don't have, they're not big tentpole storylines in, in really, and until Millennium Giants, really. And I think no. that sort of lends itself to this feeling of like, oh, okay, like we're just in this, we're just settling into the status quo, as opposed to, hey, this is the electric Superman saga, chapter one, transform, chapter two, red well, and blue. Exactly right. Yeah. Like they could have lit, power struggle could have been the first, a power struggle transformed, uh, yeah, I don't know what they would have called the next one. I don't know. It could have just been two parts. Shock. It could have been and shocked, sh- shocked to the system. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, maybe, but I think that ultimately where we'll probably land is that had this been instead of a full year, right? Like yeah. fifty-two books because we had a, a weekly uh, Superman story. Ooh. Instead of fifty-two, if this had been twenty or twenty-five, yeah. right? It, it probably would be regarded maybe a little bit better by the fans generally. Yeah, God, I can't. I still five books a month. That still is incredible to me. That, I mean, that's f- five books a month. That's well, sixty four, books a year. Four, well, four a month. Oh no, yeah, man, it's so it's still fifty. Quarter. It's still fifty-two books. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. And considering, like you said at the beginning of the episode, the fact that it was that consistent across teams, like they. They didn't even, they didn't always even hit that during death. Like, and they didn't always hit that mark together. Right. No, it's, it's, uh, it's really something. So, uh, we could certainly circle back if there's anything else electric wise we didn't talk about, but I I just, I I don't, I'd be remiss because especially you carved out time to read this, this one issue of Superman that, uh, Otherwise, you were going to skip it. It's it's a one off by Dan Jurgens. I think it's issue issue one twenty one. I want to say. Yeah, it's a it's a hard cover too. Yeah, people might remember this cover. Are you holding up the issue, good man? Uh, yeah. yeah, it's black and white except for Superman's red cape, and he's you know standing a over a, 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 apparently a slain body, and he's looking away. Yeah. And this was written and drawn by Dan Jurgens. It's totally yeah. a one-off. It is not connected in any way to Power Struggle, Transformed. And it's about this project within Suicide Slum. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to toss it to you first. Like, uh, what, was your, what was your take on this story? It's definitely, it's so cool. Even the cover, you know it's a racial and social commentary. It's clearly a black child under the cape and there's bullets all bullet casings all over the ground on the cover it's pretty powerful and the book itself there's a lot of layers to it about what's it like living in 
whether it be suicide slum or what they I think they call the Simon projects or, um, but you know, back in the, in the Chicago days, there was Robert Taylor homes and Cabrini green. There are definitely sections of New York city that were like that. You knew those neighborhoods, they were hard. And one of the lines that said like, it's, it almost was a prison where the criminals were kept in that neighborhood. But unfortunately there were other people living in the prison with them and you couldn't really escape for various reasons, you know, whether it be finance or like socioeconomic, but you were kind of stuck there and you're trying to make the best of it. And there's kids growing up and it's a story of a young girl who witnesses a drive-by shooting. And then the, the drivers knowing that she knows and afraid that she's going to talk, go after her and they're going to kill her. Um, And it was a very interesting commentary that, you know, through all these Superman stories, how often do we really see him address or look out for these neighborhoods? Like he's, of course, dealing with something against the entire world, Lex Luthor's of the world and that kind of stuff, too. But right around the corner, just like we all have our projects or hard places that are dealing with stuff that we don't deal with. And as Superman, maybe unintentionally was turning a blind eye to. Yeah. Well said. I, I, I echo all of that. And, uh, you know, we got Bill Henderson here, inspector Henderson gets some play, right. As he's investigating and, you know, Clark comes down and yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talk about how, you know, like now they're turning their attention here, but, uh, there's a remark either by the, one of the cops or by the, the residents themselves about how it's quote yeah. flyover territory for Superman. Yep. And, you know, it, it's a real eye opener for him uh, you know, I found Clark frustrating, right, in this story because he is publicly, right, like on the streets uh, of Suicide Slum, like talking to <coughs> yeah. this girl, this witness, and her mother about about coming forward. And the, as as they share with him, and as we're screaming at him reading this, it's like you are signing her death warrant. It's like, oh yeah, they are going to come after. Her. Like, what are you doing? But it's just like he is. I think as both Clark and Superman, he is he is ill equipped for this because as Superman, right, he goes there and he rounds up all the guns and all the drugs and all the stuff, but you know, uh, and, and then later Henderson, you know, increases the police presence and there are a lot of arrests, but it's like more move in. Right. And we do get this line about Mr. L right. Supplying them with weapons. Right. So of mm-hmm. course Lex is, you know, sowing the seeds of this chaos in, in suicide slum. So there's that little wrinkle, but that's, you know, that's ultimately not the point of it, but uh, you know, and it sort of ends on this note of, of Superman, you know, or maybe this is more Clark's article. I forget exactly, but you know, this kind of idea that there are larger, you know, we're talking about some of the symptoms, right? But there are larger causes at play, right? And those need to be, like there's systemic, there are systemic issues here that really need to be addressed that, you know, kind of speak to larger questions and larger conversations. But it was, you know, it was, I I thought it was such a powerful story. And thankfully the little girl seemingly, you know, it seems like she's done for, but she actually makes it. And uh, there's this wealthy benefactor who reads Clark's article and, you know, sets up this girl and her mother with a new home. And it's, you know, they get a nice ending, but- as right. far as this project itself, you know, you, you don't necessarily yeah. get the sense that much is going to change, but at least now it's on Superman's radar. But it was, uh, yeah, it was, I thought it was a really interesting story. There's something really powerful too, where Superman is blocking the bullets in front of the mom and the daughter. And he's so focused on stopping. He sees it coming only to not realize, which was also kind of hard to believe, but to see that, even Superman, he's focused here. The guy behind shoots the girl from behind. 
And that's how he gets her. And that was like, oh my gosh, like even he was fooled. Like, and, and he, and like, if he can't catch this to happen, like what are regular people supposed to do? I think that scene is probably represents the struggle or the tension of this entire issue, right? Of like yeah. so focused on what's right in front of you, right? The the hail of gunfire coming your way, or in and his case, missed. right? Like yeah. in his case, the the city level or world level or universe yes. level threats, and you're missing like what's right behind right you, right there. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I I don't I didn't come across anything as far as the background or production of this issue. What I thought was interesting was that. You know, Jurgens had long since stopped drawing Superman, right? At 100, yeah. that was his last one, right? So we're talking a year and a half later. And like we said, this one is totally divorced from the ongoing storyline. I wonder if this was something that he, that had been yeah. created a I while know. ago. I, I got that or, sense. Yeah. Or I wonder if, yeah, I mean, it, it could be just something he said, like, I need to tell the story or something he read struck a chord. And that's the gift of having a medium that they have. You know, whether it's um, a visual artist that something strikes a chord in their heart, they create that painting that captures that moment that they noticed something. Maybe Dan Jurgens noticed something and it said, like, I, I need an issue to do this. And that's what they gave. Yeah. Yeah, could certainly could be. So is there anything else about these issues or electric Superman generally that we didn't talk about that you wanted to say before we sign off? Um, <laughs> I was thinking about, we were talking about nostalgia. Like I think I would compare electric Superman to how I still love uh, things from the eighties, like Thundercats or uh, certain cartoons that, still like hold a special place in my heart. But when I go back and I watch him, uh, I enjoy them still, but I'm like, Oh, okay. Like it's, it's nothing that stands out really awesome to me, but it's the nostalgia and the character and the look and the vibe and the memories that I go. I really appreciate that. And I think that's why I enjoy the figure and the Funko pop and that kind of stuff. And never really like I've had this, Superman blue trade since it came out, but I hadn't read it. And this is the first chance I had to read it. So that can kind of tell you a little bit there too. Yes. And sadly it appears that line of trades has been abandoned. I, I think the solicitation yeah. mentioned it being the first of a four volume set. And yeah, it's been years. I think at this point we've only gotten volume one. Uh, but again, thankfully with the exception of that one random issue of action, it is all on the app. So it's like it's yeah. out there if people want to uh, want to read it. Uh, you know, obviously I'll, I'll continue to talk about electric Superman, so I, I don't, I don't necessarily need to give my final statement, but, uh, at this point I would just say, I think it, it's gotten off to an intriguing start. Um, you know, I'm a little bit weary or wary of where I know we're going and how long this is going to last, but, yeah. uh, you know, I'll, I'll keep an open mind, but yeah, I mean, it, like, that's the thing it's for better or worse, it's a chapter in the character's history and a, and a pretty indelible yeah. one. You know, we've had, you know, and I think to, how do I put this? I think it's like, we've had changes to the character and, yeah. you know, new 52 is a great example of, you know, what we might consider core aspects of the character changed. And yes, they came back, but for that time, but, and, and even there, yes, we had a different costume, but it was still recognizable. You know, this is, 
a bit of an outlier. I mean, tell, you know, unless there's like something that I'm totally drawing a blank on, but it's like, I think the the visual component here, right, was just so so in your face, so so different that you know it 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 makes an impression. It's like again, regardless yeah. of what you feel, you look back on the character's history, and and this this is part of it, you know. And there's yeah, there's only been two versions of Superman, one with powers and one without powers. There there hasn't really been any other significant change. Because if you you keep on tracing back, oh, what about grounded? Oh, and when he's when he when he can't fly, well, no, he just he lost the power. So there there hasn't been much else, and this this is significant. It's just, um, yeah, I'm curious where it's going to go. Yeah, well, stay tuned. Uh, I, I hope you enjoy your reread. If you continue, uh, and yeah. uh, and audience, if you're rereading along with us, I hope you're enjoying. If, if nothing else, I hope you're enjoying these episodes. Uh, we got a lot to cover. You know, next time we'll get deeper into the Electric Blue saga. We'll basically get up to the point right before the split into Red and Blue. Uh, we have a couple of other episodes coming up where we will uh, revisit Superman the Animated Series, which was running during this time. Uh, I've got a very fun episode on a select group of Lois and Clark episodes from this time period. I'm really excited for that. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Like I said, we're going to talk about the Morris and JLA run that was going on, the One Million event. Of course, you know, we'll talk about Red and Blue, Superman Red, Superman Blue, Millennium Giants, the Dominus arc, and uh, that end of the century graphic novel that I talked about. So over the, you know, these, um, you know, the, these multiple episodes, we've really got a lot of ground to cover as we barrel towards episode 100, but it'd be a lot of fun. And Bernie, thank you so much. You know, I know we talked off mic, but it's worth saying here. I know for both of us, we've had some very long days, very long weeks. Uh, last week, I was super sick when we did our, our episode on, on Son of Kal-El. Thankfully, I'm feeling mostly better now. But uh, I have to say, like, I, I you know, we got we got off the recording um, or off our video chat last week. And I, as, as sick and as tired as I was, I was like, you know, that was fun. Like it was a fun way to end the week. And I feel this yeah. way again uh, here too. So thank you very much. Thank you, man. It's always fun. Awesome. Uh, well, it won't be too long. I'm sure before uh, you're back on the podcast again, and we'll look forward to that. Everyone really, thank you. Truly always appreciate it. Make sure you continue tuning in for this electric till 1 million event. We'll be back next week. As always, it's about what you do. It's about action. This show is part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network, home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in the adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History, available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review today. Sign up at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato for additional content. Thank you all.